friends of the legendary Lou Gellerman. Hello, dog fans, and welcome to the Sound the Siren podcast, because everything matters, uh, including finishing up uh, talking about the two commitments that we got right after we recorded our last episode. Uh, I am, as usual, your host, Hooligan7. I'm joined tonight by DJ K. Woody and uh, the artist usually known as Hood Husky, but uh, tonight known as Cam Davis's Quads. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, check out uh, recent tweets from Coach Ron McKeefery. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Fabulous. Doing, doing good, man. Doing real, real good. A month and a half in the season. Yes, sir. How many weeks? It's like 46 weeks? days uh, tonight. We're recording on... Uh, uh, yeah. the evening of July 19th. Uh, hopefully this will be out tomorrow, but, uh, it is our podcast. Technical difficulties do occur. Um, uh, well, without further ado, uh, we can, we can briefly touch on beverages. Uh, DJ, what, what are you sipping this evening? Uh, don't have it right next to me, but some high quality H2O. Nice. Good. Oh man, that's funny. Uh, mine's isn't next to me either, and I, I, I'm sad I got to get up to grab it. But I actually have some sweet nice. tea tonight. You know, I, I got I got the water secondary, but I got some sweet tea. Nice, for y'all, nice. It, it's know? a it's a good season. It's uh, certainly uh, warm enough weather for it. Um, I have a a, mm-hmm. a slight spin on uh, high quality H two O, and I have a Nixie uh, black cherry lime uh, sparkling water. Quite quite good. Uh, as usual, um, or it's an organic sparkling water without a whole bunch of natural flavors or chemicals and crap. Um, so it's tasty. Uh, we can go right into stupid tweets. Um, I think we kind of kicked one around in the pre-show and uh, somebody else can introduce it. because I'll, I'll agree that it's a stupid or kind of a questionable tweet, uh, but uh, take it away. Cam's quads. Pause. That's all you. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, just to point out, you know, we always seem to pick on our, our you know, TCD down south. But, you know, I got to shout out my man, Doug, man, for for thinking that, you know, downing us about getting high quality character guys is, is, is a dig to us. I mean, it may be a dig to your school, but it is not a dig to get high quality guys to, in our program that not only, uh, you know, want to play football at a high level and NFL level, but want to be good men um, on and off the field. So. I'll take an our kind of guy. That's such a weird flex, like to not want to have guys with high character. I mean, it, it's he—he he was trying to explain later in the thread about like that. He, he was saying that it was weird to um, for Dogman to be basically insinuating that every program isn't doing character evals, and they are, but everybody's character eval, every school's character evals are different. Um, and further, and I would say that, like, certainly schools that have a higher acad, a more stringent academic rigor, your Stanford's, your UCLA's, your Washington's, um, it is just going to be a little bit of a different. And it's, um, you know, and if there is, if you don't see that there's a difference in, in team culture between the, the University of Oregon and the University of Washington, you're not paying attention. Um, I'd also argue that the other point of, or, or the other way that it, that's a, a stupid tweet from Doug is um, giving any credence that Dogman should be taken seriously in the first place. But, but that's just me. 
he, he's on that. He's on that more than Husky fans. More than <laughs> any Husky fan, pretty much. Jeez, <laughs> he's man. practically a mod. Hey, he be, <laughs> he be giving me scoops about us. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dang, I did not know that. <laughs> I, know we uh, I, I will say there was also uh, we we got to shout out our friends from the GC. I think it was Coach V that uh, had a nice exchange with Doug that uh, we're. Doug claimed that he'd never like made some comments about leather helmets and talking about the area where you oh, yeah. dominated the rivalry. And, uh, uh, yeah. The facts did not uh, align in his favor. Let's just put it that way. When I say uh, he got caught white-handed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was Dog 206, lifelong dude boar fan that You're right, yep, caught yep. him yeah, slipping sorry. there. Yeah. Apologies, 206. <laughs> we, uh, we appreciate we appreciate <laughs> you. Um, all right, well, let's uh, go ahead and move on. We can talk about the, the two commitments. That we, oh, well, go ahead. I, I won. I mean, actually, I couldn't find the exact tweet, but it was actually from Doug Scott as well. Uh, and basically... The thing that we all, a lot of us like to make fun of on Twitter, he was, it was a couple weeks ago, he responded to somebody, and I actually might have quote tweeted it, so I probably should just look at my timeline, but he said something along the lines, I'll wait till Dan Lanning gets his guys in. Like, they've been saying that <laughs> kind of stuff for years, and Every rec- it doesn't yeah. change. <laughs> If you keep if you keep recycling quarter uh, uh, head coaches every three years, you're gonna be saying wait to get the guys. <laughs> wait till yeah. Mario gets his guys. And I mean, and granted, Mario actually did win a, well one legitimate conference championship. Let's not talk about COVID year because yeah, let's just not talk about COVID year. It just shouldn't count for anything. Um, but it really it's like they are the broken record program. It's recruiting Seriously. rankings, recruiting rankings. And, and we were talking a little bit about this in the pre-show and it's like, yeah, recruiting rankings are great. And frequently, or at least a decent amount of the time, a highly recruited recruit lives up to expectations, performs well and goes to the league. If that highly raked recruit perform, you know, performs to expectations or, or above slightly above expectations and goes to the league, even it's from the uniform organ, more power to them. Um, obviously that's not something that happens at receiver down there, but there's also a host every year. If you look at the NFL draft, yeah, there's a decent percentage, if not a majority that are four and five star recruits, but there's also a host of three stars and the recruiting services. And particularly when you're compiling two, four, seven and on three and scout and rivals and, and ESPN who that they, these aren't perfect evaluation systems at a certain, at the end of the day, you have to decide whether if you feel you have a competent coaching staff at place at your university, I tend to say that there's, I would be an emphatic yes in that instance at the university of Washington, that if they see somebody that's maybe a little less regarded and a little less hyped right now that they like, I'm going to be, I'm going to trust that they were, that they're going to be able to like mold that, that, that athlete into a pretty darn good performing college football player and continue to develop them for the league. You would, I think my thing mainly is you would think that the narrative actually progress. If four years ago we were talking about the same exact thing, like you would think it, and, and it wasn't working. You would think like it'd be like, 
let's talk about Utah or something, or like, let's talk about how they're able to beat a team like Oregon and USC with those type of guys, like having actual like deeper conversations about roster uh, composition and roster talent and how coaching combinations and scheme and all those things uh, play an impact in the winning. And you would just hope that like, you were just kind of hoping that like the narratives and the conversations would mature into more like, um, detail-oriented things versus just these big blanket generalizations about blue-chip ratios. So, yeah, I mean, it is what I mean, is. as an example, we, I can, I, I real quick, I, I have the, the the quarterback rankings from the class of 2021 handy. Uh, number one recruit that year was Quinn Ewers. Jury is still kind of out. Um, I think we managed to, and he signed with Ohio State, so regardless if he has a good career, it's not going to do the Buckeyes a damn bit of good. Uh, Caleb Williams. Uh, wait, so, so I know I'm going to keep, I'll let you keep going, but the Quinn Ewers is so strange because people were talking about him being a possible first round pick next year. Like, could that happen? Maybe, but he's not shown he's capable of that. That stuff's been so annoying. I've been seeing him, seeing that about him. Sorry. Yeah. Keep going. I just got to speak my mind yeah, real quick. Number two, <laughs> Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winner last year, but Caleb Williams went to Oklahoma and then followed Lincoln Riley to USC. Uh, number three, and this one hurts, mm-hmm. uh, out of Kennedy Catholic, Sam Heward. Number four, Drake May, went to North Carolina. That's turned out pretty well. Number five, Brock Vandegrift. Has, I don't know if he's projected to be their starter, but he didn't unseat a walk-on in Stetson Bennett that was like a two-star recruit, if that. Uh, Carson Beck. Yep. J.J. Uh, McCarthy was number six, went to Michigan. I think he's been kind of off and on. I don't know if he's projected to be their starter. Um, had Caden Salter, who went to Tennessee, was number seven. I don't think he's seen the field yet. Uh, Kyle McCord at Ohio State was number eight. Uh, speaking of highly ranked Oregon Ducks that don't think they quite got to, you know, what they might have expected. Ty Thompson uh, was nine. Tyler Buckner was 10. Going to Notre Dame, Baron Morton at Texas Tech was 11. Eli Stowers to Texas Tech was number 12. Jackson Dart. Uh, to SC, Jalen Milrow to Bama, Miller Moss to SC. Again, it's not a perfect science. Like your championships in June don't mean a damn and thing like, if if they don't show up in November and December. If they never, they're never on. If they never play on campus either, you know. And then with the incentivization of NIL, a lot of these kids are going to places for that, you know, initial bag, and then they realize the position coach they committed to was fraudulent. And they, or like, you know, other things happen, Gee. gets fired or, you know, they weren't what they thought they were. And then they go to a different school and then they perform or don't perform. But while they're on that roster as a freshman that doesn't play or never plays for a university, they count as a head for that team being better than somebody else. And, and, you know, so that has Daniel Scott yeah, and, or Kitano Ladapo. And, 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 and what program might have some coaches that are well-regarded recruiters, but in terms of the on-field performance of their particular units, kind of questionable. And we might say that they're kind of questionable because some of those coaches coached it, uh, a team we care about. And I think we, if we watch, um, and I think this is the kind of the differentiator between what kind of, uh, what uh, Dion prime is kind of building versus kind of what Oregon is building or has built is they they are combining the hype with actual solid coaches like Charles Kelly's no joke at DC, you know grabbing Sean Lewis, uh, OC, <clears throat> um, 
was head coach at Kent State. And then a lot of their position coaches are coming from big-time programs where they've been proven to recruit and to develop guys. So um, there's got to be a, a hyper-focus on both things, not just, oh, can I get a guy in the door like Junior Adams, get a guy in the door and Cooper. he doesn't perform. Have I told you about how I coached Cooper Cup? <laughs> Dude, right? doesn't mention that before, but... <laughs> Yeah, but if nobody stays in your room, then how does uh, how's that right. possible? Well, and I mean, but but but, but, anyway. but Tosh Poi coached at Alabama, and clearly he was a rousing success. That's why they didn't decide to retain him there. Interesting. Anyway, let's move on uh, into the main subject of conversation for the evening, and let's talk about the two recruits uh, that have committed to Washington since we recorded the last time. And first up, we're going to talk about Dominic Kirks. Uh, 6'5", 250-pound defensive lineman from Cleveland, Ohio, uh, currently rated a three-star uh, and a .896 uh, composite, so not that far off from a four-star. Um, who, DJ, thoughts? Uh, I'm just happy to get a big, a big win um, and not a, a big under-the-radar type of win. Um, kind of getting a guy who's not some undersized guy who needs a one or two years in the, all that kind of stuff. One, two years in the program, all that. So coming in six, five, two forty plus, uh, physically built, physically strong, um, long, lengthy, strong hands, relentless motor, something you can't uh, teach at all. Um, and then kind of seeing a couple interviews of him post commitment and prior to commitment, just the type of like mindset that he has. Uh, he seems like he's a really locked in kid. Um, demeanor kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, of Eddie, uh, Lafoscio. Um, so bringing that type of high level character guy in who's a potential leader as well and at a need position. Um, and now you got somebody like, uh, somebody who was facing a lot of criticism in, um, you know, edge coach, um, Eric Schmidt, who's now locked up two high ceiling players in his, uh, in his room. So, and Noah Carter and yeah. Dominic Kirk. So, and- oh yeah. Big win for us for sure, and out of the Midwest. Yeah, out of an, yeah, Schmidt might be cooking. Cooking, couple good cooking, recruits. Cooking with some gas, and I think like this is a point that like <laughs> as much as, and I don't think we're going to dive into in-state recruiting in depth tonight because I'd like to be happy. <laughs> um, but as, <laughs> but I would, I would make the argument that even while we're struggling a little bit in state, uh, or might be shooting ourselves in the foot here and there in state. Um, Developing inroads nationally has a very good chance to pay positive dividends. And honestly, here's here's I'm going to be complimentary to that team down south. They, you know, Chip Kelly kind of got them started on that trajectory of where they started recruiting projectable athletes that fit their system that were three stars from Florida, from Texas, from the other parts of the south, from the Midwest that fit that system. And then that grew, and Oregon grew into the the brand that they are. Obviously, we have more tradition in history than they do, but that's just another thing that we can sell, and we're making inroads in places that we don't rem- usually recruit. Um, and, and I think here we, we talked a lot about it on the last uh, episode about the projectability and what like this, you know, like good at you know good to great athlete right now but what they will be in our system what what they can do in our system like i watched 
DK's tape, and I'm like, this dude, after a couple years with Ron McKeefrey, uh, <laughs> um, like, my, my, my nose were like, demonstrates just man strength already. Um, just blowing, I mean, like, tackles of various sizes, but, like, he blew up some guys that had some heft and some size to them. Um, definitely somebody that I could see, um, you know, both being kind of projectable as potentially being both an inside and an outside guy, more of that, you know, if you've got the space eater inside can be more of that pass rushing defensive tackle, but can also flex out and be that, you know, perimeter or edge setting defensive end a little bit like, you know, and used a little bit like we used uh, Benning Potawai toward the end of his career. Um, You know, may, may not be like, I think Noah is, you know, of the two of them. I think Noah is probably the more explosive, you know, in terms of the first step. That's not any disrespect to DK. Uh, he's got a good first step, and then that strength. I just I think they're they're different pieces, and like they're different chess pieces that you can do different things with. Um, and I'm super super excited about that. Yeah, Agreed, brother. Uh, you guys mentioned a couple of things that stood out to me as well. I mean. Whatever, everything that Hood said was basically kind of what I was going to say. His size, getting pulling someone from Ohio is huge, and actually winning a, a recruiting battle, those are all great. Uh, but yeah, the one, the one word that I was going to mention that Hood did mention was relentless, because that's what I saw in his film. Like he is relentless out there, just not giving up, just going hard every play, and obviously you need that and want that. So that was huge. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just definitely room for some improvement, but I mean, you've got the size and body that you can, uh, and the tools that you can work with with Schmidt and McKeefery from uh, the strength and conditioning standpoint. I mean, and I'm glad he mentioned that about his first step. Like his first step isn't bad, but like I think that's something he can probably improve it's on. Explosive. Yeah, it's explosive. But, yeah, it's it's good. It's but like I mean, I think I think it can get better too. Like with how how his athleticism is, uh, it can. Uh, it, because it didn't happen like every play, but you definitely saw uh, once, like uh, you know, here and there that he was getting like, like probably like half the time he was having a good step. So you can see that more frequently. That would be great. But yeah, I'm excited for him coming in, making a difference, and in, in a position of need, like what Hood said. For sure. I think um, if you it's just a little bit of a smaller frame, I don't think he can kind of put on the the same type of way he did. Um, but uh, kind of resembles mm-hmm. Levi a little bit, just kind of those like that long limbed player. Uh, you were kind of mentioning Hooligan. You'd see him. Uh, you'd see him on the interior. I, I agree. You might catch him at three tech every now and then um, if we decide to rush three at any point. I, I don't think I saw that too much last year, but if we do decide to do that, um, he could definitely have his hand in the dirt and you know kind of be on the edge there. I, I'd say um, looking at like Jeremiah Martin and how we utilized him. I don't think he's as straight line fast, but he's definitely the same kind of similar build um, at that edge at about 265 yep. to 270, 275. Like, I think he's going to play it at about that weight. So we're not putting these 230-pound, 240-pound edges out there. We've got some some hefty guys out yeah. there. Yeah, so. and, like, his dis- – like, I, I, I agree with both of you uh, on that. And, like, not only, like, the, the motor to stay in the play, but also, like, the – discipline like he showed you know there were a number of plays in the in his film where he showed the discipline to like even though he could have like gotten a little ball watchy and and chase happy maintaining his spot and you know and and certainly in a conference and 
you know, with offenses doing everything side to side and up and down and like all of the innovation and trickery, that um, consistency and not letting your eyes get you into bad spots is a huge um, advantage. And I'll just say the last thing, too, I, I got to mention it in regards to him. Um, it's not really mentioned kind of often, but um, for one, just the bend. I do think I did see a little bit of ankle flexibility for mm-hmm. that size. Um, and if you think you're projecting, you know, he's 250-ish now, probably more than that at this point. So you're probably projecting a 265, 270-75-pound guy coming in and playing. And to see his natural ankle flexibility with holding all that yep. frame and weight is is a good thing as well. Um, and then uh, finally, just I, I, I was looking for the tweet, um, but this is what the fourth ever recruit from Cleveland. There wow. was something like that where like we've it, it, but it's been a very long time since we've had somebody. Um, I think yep. it might have been Pharrell that mm-hmm. mentioned there was two of them. And then somebody corrected him and was like, actually, there's been four total and Kurtz is the fifth, I believe. If, if yeah. But yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of cool. Going yeah, that is place cool. So. I mean, yeah, and Ohio's not like a small state like North Dakota. It's it's a huge state. A lot of prospects come out of there. Uh-huh. Obviously, it's not in our recruiting bed that we recruit from. But, yeah, that's saying a lot. Yeah, huge. Uh, all right, we can move on to – uh, was that a pause or, uh, or was there some, did you, did one of you have something else to say about Dominic Kirks? Oh no. Okay. Yeah. We'll move on and talk about, uh, Peyton waters, um, uh, listed as an athlete and defensive back at six, 270 pound, a four star, uh, 0.9077, uh, composite, uh, from, uh, I believe it's Birmingham high school in Van Nuys, California. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell my dad joke. It's, you can call me a boomer for this one. Um, but, uh, you can cue John Fogarty cause this kid's got center field deep sit, you know, free safety written all over it, uh, written all over him. Uh, really just a smooth athlete, long speed. I, it, you know, Hey, if he comes in and they say, Hey, we need you at receiver. Not that I expect them to, because that room's ridiculous, but I could see this kid being a star receiver. Um, but the open field tackling, um, his, his size, the ball skills. Um, I, I will call out real quick, uh, uh, something from his junior year highlight tape at, uh, at six minutes and 12 seconds. Uh, Peyton, that is just disrespectful. And please, 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 please. Um, do that against uh, Gangrene University down in Eugene. I'm gonna steal that. I like that game. Like <laughs> yeah, can, can this kid play on both sides of the ball? Because he's nice on offense too. <laughs> he's just yeah, he's just nice. Period. I I gotta say I, I yeah. said uh, in our last episode that uh, I think of of that group that uh, Justice Williams was probably my favorite tape. Um, I, I think it's uh, now a tie. I think it's Peyton Waters and Justice Williams for my favorite tape in this class so far. And that's no disrespect to anyone else in this class, but these kinds of athletes, it's just fun. It's like, I mean, like he doesn't look like he's as fast as like, he doesn't look like he's moving as fast as he is because of those long strides and how smooth he is in his gait. And he's just cooking by people. 
Yeah, yeah, you can see everyone just trying to chase them like, and catch up, and they can't. If, <laughs> if you know, if if I if I'm uh, Nostradamus here, and I and, and he is, does come out, come in, and end up being playing free safety for us, uh, Peyton's going to house some interceptions. Um, I I fall on the floor. Like I will bet, put money on that right now. Um. Something we never really got the opportunity to see because um, it just wasn't enough targets isolated uh, was what Alex Cook could do at the catch point, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I, he just reminded me a lot of Alex Cook in high school, that dominant counter receiver yep. and that uh, overly physical uh, DB. Um, the frame, too, being 6'1", 171, that's what he's listed. Um, I definitely see by the time, you know, draft eligible, you're 190, 195. His frame is wide. Um, you were mentioning the long stride. Um, it's also still uh, it's also still kind of a wide stance uh, and wide balance stride. So that tells me that he has a, a pretty wide frame. So he's probably going to put on a bunch of uh, um, weight in his legs, which is awesome because uh, he's already an alpha dog, hits super hard, uh, comes super aggressive. And uh, you guys are talking about offense. Um, I, I don't think I don't think they're going to get him on the offensive side of the ball, man. Oh, I know, yeah, I know. There's something you yeah. can't coach, and that's that. Like, you know, defenders have that mentality. You know what I mean? You can just yep. see it in him. Like he's like the, his his motor is definitely a, a defensive guy, a built for a defense. I wasn't. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like right. I wasn't yeah. saying like, hey, put put him on offense. That's not where like like I said. I Same. want him as yeah. our, like. You tell me in three years that Peyton Waters is our starting free safety, I'm going to be a happy, happy man. I yeah, agree, I was, I was kind of half joking too. Like, I think I was just kind of joking in the sense like he can play both sides if he wanted to, basically. But yeah, definitely like him more on defense, and that's that's well, where he's going to be better at. What's that? What what I what I had jotted down in, in some notes was just like, hasn't that been the trend for every single DB we've talked about? It doesn't matter if they play corner True. or yeah. safety is we always talk about, man, this guy can play in the return game. He can play receiver. He's got high-level ball skills. And, oh, look at his frame. Look at the – so they definitely have a type, and it's definitely people that can track the ball. And uh, a lot of these uh, DBs that we're getting, specifically safeties, are listed as athletes. So, you know, specialty players are very important. You know, they have their their niches, but – having these athletes with that experience on offense that are going to play defense is very, is very valuable. Yeah, that's a good point. Is he a legit 6'2", you think? He looks like it, but, you know, some of these recruiting services, you know, embellish I would a little say, I don't see the, like, I don't see the length, you know? Like, I don't see, like, long legs, like, uh, sorry, uh, I don't see, like, long arms. He's got a long stride, and that's, that yeah. looks like, it's more so due to form and knee lift more than it is, like, his, his length, so... That could be a little high, but even if you're six foot six one, like I think, yeah, Alex Cook was listed like six one and a half or something like that. I just he just really reminds me of him his temperament and um, you know his his uh, movement ability and, and things like that. So, and you don't, I mean, you don't have to be a giant to play free safety. I mean, I mean, obviously we used him a lot in the nickel, but Buda Baker <laughs> played a pretty damn good free safety for us too. So. But it's that that athleticism and the the, the awareness, and just and just you know, every time we mention the athlete, I always want to mention you know what I'm saying because I'm definitely going to be on both sides. If a coach is struggling to recruit, 
I'm going to mention it. If a coach is excelling, I'm going to mention it. I'm going to be as fair as I can. I shouted out Eric Schmidt already. Um, this is shouting out Chuck Morrell for sure. You know, um, 2023 was a really solid class uh, at, at DB safety, and this class is shaping up to be just as good um, in regards to his room and his position. So shout out to uh, Chuck Morrell. Chuck Morrell and Schmidt get a lot of a lot of flack, undeservingly, in my opinion. Yep, yep, agreed. Yeah. All right. Anything else to say about either Dominic or Peyton uh, before we move on into the, the question from our uh, compatriot uh, DP? I'll say just really quick, shout out to them both being, both of these two guys um, being four-star players. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oops, let me pull up. It's crazy that they're composite four-stars, but not on – Two four seven. Usually, if anything, for us, it's like the opposite. But they'll they'll get there. For, I think for two four seven. But yeah, definitely on well, the other sides, they are. Yeah, four stars. I mean, DK is he's a point nine eight six. He's point, you know, he's like four hundredths of a point from four star. In the, it was you who again that was talking about how underrated uh, Justice Williams yes. was, right? his rating when he was like unranked or whatnot and then immediately after he commits i think it was espn or who was it that or on three made him a top 200 yeah player. interesting and then like and then like two, and yeah. then two four but two four seven bumped him down in the like i mean granted i haven't watched all like <laughs> yeah. the, the the 130 oh. other receivers tapes but you can't tell me that there's 120 or 130 <laughs> receivers in this country better than justice williams come on now um, all right, we'll move into the to the mailbag question. This comes from our friend uh, uh, Dog Process, uh, aka Burhalter out, uh, aka Dlock for MVP. Uh, we will get uh, DP back on the pod uh, for some uh, uh, what what we define today will be uh, some diagnosticating uh, before when we get to that episode. <laughs> um, but his question is: If this is Grub's last dance. Uh, what should we expect for the direct the direction of the program uh, after he departs for um, what I would assume would be a head coaching opportunity because he's he's knocking on that doorstep um, if not should have a foot already in the door. Uh, I would just say personally, if there's one side of the ball that I'm not concerned about is offense. Um, I will say, I think what it's Caleb DeBoer's system, but what I will say Grubb brings to the table is a little bit more of an aggressive nature than DeBoer because you can kind of see, uh, not kind of, you can see oftentimes, you know, it certain decisions, tough decisions in tough situations, Grubb doesn't hesitate. Where Caleb or Kalen's like, wait, should we call a timeout really quick and think about this? Whereas, as opposed to Grubb, just kind of let's do it. So I will say maybe some of the aggressive nature. You know, we we didn't punt a lot. You know, we went for for it on fourth down a lot, and I don't know if that was more grub, which it seemed like, or DeBoer. So I think you lose a little bit more of the aggressive nature. But I think that's a plug and play type situation. You have somebody like Shepard that can fill in, somebody like Sheridan that can fit in. And one thing I've been saying is go out. We need to be hiring a, a bunch uh, more staff. You know, um, we had uh, we had leg staff hiring a whole bunch of defensive analysts and nobody had helped the offense out. We see these guys hiring a bunch of offensive analysts. So I'm not nervous about, you know, fitting and filling those and backfilling any any offensive yep. coach. If Kalen DeBoer is the head coach at the University of Washington, I'm not worried about the offense. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Or, or quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I, you hit on all the points, too, that I was thinking of. Uh, I mean, 
the boar and grub have it seems like different communication styles, uh, but that could just be because one's a head coach, <laughs> one's a offensive coordinator. Maybe that changes a little bit when Grubb comes a head coach. Uh, but yeah, the philosophy and the just the system is still going to be pretty much the same. I expect at least. Uh, I guess we haven't seen that with because they've been together for so long. But uh, I would I wouldn't expect a, a whole lot change. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you never know for sure because uh, they've been had together for so long but yeah um uh, i mean it's still a loss like it's not like saying oh grab leaving it's not a loss it, it's still a loss you still got to find a replacement somebody who's capable of you know being aggressive or calling calling the right plays and having that knowledge but uh may not be as big of a loss as probably oregon's gonna make it out oregon fans gonna make it out to be you already know they're gonna say it's in the world for us it's the it's the it's the detail it's the details with grub I think that's one thing, and you know that I, I think will falter, you know, because I'm pretty sure Kalen trusts Grub to allow his message to resonate. Where you got to think, whoever steps into that place, it's not going to be a hundred percent trust. It's it could be ninety seven, it could be eighty nine, but it's not going to be that same level. So I do think you take a small step back and kind of some of that uh, element of it. Like I said, just I think it does kind of step back in aggressiveness. But beyond that, man, the the production, I think DeBoer is even more balanced than Grubb, too. So I think you might even see more of a um, a focus on you know the running game. If um, Well, I mean, and I, I think also, like, I, I think it's going to be natural for the offense to take a little bit of a step back next year, even independent of if Grubb leaving, because you will be replacing Mike Penix at quarterback. Rome Udunze and Jalen McMillan will be in the NFL next year. Um uh, you know, Jalen Polk maybe as well. Like that's going to be natural. Does that mean that we're going to suddenly go back and like, even with our current system, we're going to struggle to move the ball like we did in 2021, not by any stretch of the imagination. All right, gentlemen, anything else that uh, we need to cover tonight or, or should we call it a, a quick pod and, uh, and get back and we will be back uh, soon uh, with, with a new, with a little bit of new content. Um, coming next week. Uh, but any, anything, anything else we, we you guys want to talk about tonight? Um, I'll, I'll just say finally, man, just uh, pointing to to our running back room. You know, in regards to recruiting and stuff like that, we are seeing you know a lot of our targets commit elsewhere. Um, there has been some some recent dominoes kind of fall, but we're really really looking forward to seeing you know some movement and some action from that room real soon. So. Hopefully we can get some get somebody locked up in that room. Hopefully it's a local a local guy or mm-hmm. that's obviously everybody's room. So. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And please, everyone, buy tickets to games. Go to the games this year. We need everyone. Like it's going to be a great season. Hopefully, and we need the stadium yep. to be filled for all those games. Yep. Well, as always, thanks very much for listening. Uh, as I said, we will be back uh, next week uh, with our food first. Uh, we've been joking about it on Twitter for any number of years. Uh, DJ, you've been a, a part of a number of these conversations. Uh, we will be back with uh, a food fight podcast uh, from Sound the Siren. And our first topic is going to be the t- best tailgates, best tailgate foods and beverages. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, if 
Gay cap better yeah. be there or we yeah. riot. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that J, yeah, J caps are required, uh, a required cast member for this one for sure. Um, we'll be back. And then certainly, obviously if other news breaks uh, and then as we get closer to the season, we will do our big, di- uh, diagnosticating episode. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a little further depth about team, you know, opponent previews. Uh, but anyway, thanks for listening. Go dogs. Bow down. Oh.